0: We are less than a month away from spring football for the Texas football team and Inside Texas has provided us a wealth of updates on some of your favorite football players on the Forty Eight. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you will get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com. Slash locked on to get started on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. We are providing winter conditioning updates uh, inside Texas has given us a ton of updates on some of our favorite players on the 40 acres as they get geared up, you know, for spring ball and continue to try to build that foundation in the offseason for a championship run, hopefully, in the 2024 season as we move into the SEC. That's going to be the first couple of segments on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. And then in the last segment, Texas has a huge game in terms of basketball tomorrow at Kansas. Right? What can they do? What are the five, six maybe keys to winning that game for Rodney Terry and the Texas Longhorns? All of that and more on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So there's a quote. I'm not exactly sure where the quote comes from, but it resonates with me. And I think it's so true. Right. That championship teams are built in the offseason. Right. Or championships are won in the offseason. And obviously you still have to go out there and, you know, pop those pads, you know, week in and week out. And you have to deal with everything that comes, you know, in the season. Right. Triumphs, you know, victories, losses. Um, you know, setbacks, you know, adversity, you have to deal with all of that, you know, throughout the course of a season and how you respond to all of that, the good and the bad, you know, plays a big part in where you end up at the end of your season. But I think the foundation you go into the season with that carries you from beginning to end, that is built in the offseason, right? Through winter conditioning, through spring football, you know, the spring game, and then ultimately fall camp before your first game against Colorado State, right? And when you look at this 2024 they're different, right? Each version, each team every year at the University of Texas is different. So this team can lean on the culture. The 2024 team can lean on the culture that Steve Sarkeesian and company have built over the last three years. And they can lean on the success that the 2023 football team had last year. But at the end of the day, the 2024 team has to build their own foundation throughout the offseason. And they have to ride that foundation throughout the course of the season, hopefully to a national championship at the end of it. So Inside Texas, before spring ball starts in in less than a month, while they're building that championship foundation right now, um, Inside Texas wrote a really good article providing us a lot of updates on a lot of players, especially young players at the 40 acres that are fighting to get on the field in the 2024 season. So, you know, I'm going to read the updates updates that they provided us and uh, provide my reactions to those updates and how these players are doing, you know, as we get closer and closer to – the 2024 edition of spring ball for the Texas Longhorns, starting with the wide receiver group. Not every group is represented in this article, but, you know, most of them are. We're starting with the wide receiver group. And Ryan Wingo, five-star true freshman, early enrollee who's already on campus. Ryan Wingo is really fast in a straight line. This isn't groundbreaking news, but we believe he's already in the 22 miles per hour club. The staff really likes him as a vertical threat, but the belief is he can become much more. You know, when you watch Ryan Wingo, you see the five-star talent, right? And I think he has the ability to be a ceiling raiser for your football team, like your football team can reach bigger heights because you have a player like Ryan Wingo at the wide receiver position. And to me, he's somebody that can do everything on the field, right? Or at his best is somebody that can do everything on the field. Uh, 6'2", over 200 pounds. So he's already a big body receiver coming out of St. Louis. Um, You know, I think that he's really good in terms of getting in and out of his breaks, right? He's fluid in terms of his route running. He can play big. He can make the contested catches. He can make the catches down the field. Obviously, they're talking about his speed. He's getting up to 22 miles per hour. So I think he's a complete player at the wide receiver position, I think the five-star talent jumps jumps out at you, you know, once you're watching him on the screen um, or in person, you know, for sure. And I think that, you know, once he's fully developed and in a position to make plays for this football team, I just don't see how you, you know, don't get him the ball 75 to 100 times a season, right? How you don't get him the ball five to seven times a game. He's that talented. His upside is that high. And it's good to see him making waves at the 40 already in just a few months of being on campus. Speaking of being a vertical threat and much more, Isaiah Bond has the look of the number one wide receiver this year. He's perhaps the fastest wide receiver on the team, though that debate also includes Ryan Niblett and DeAndre Moore. We know those are two of the fastest players on the team. But I said about Isaiah Bond that he looks like, you know, the new number one wide receiver on this football team and the Xavier Worthy replacement. Right. Even though we know that the wide receiver room this year is going to be more versatile and all of the wide receivers are going to move to all three spots this season, more than we've seen the last three years under Steve Sarkeesian. I think when you look at Isaiah Bond, I've said that Xavier Worthy had career highs in terms of catches, was seventy-five in a season, and a thousand fourteen yards was a career high at Texas for uh, Xavier Worthy in a season as well. I think Isaiah Bond breaks both of those metrics this year. I think he goes over seventy-five catches. I think he goes over a thousand fourteen yards for the Texas Longhorns football team this season. And I've talked about how he reminds me a little bit of you know Zay Flowers. He's not as explosive and not as quick, but I think. You know he's somebody who probably is going to be the smallest receiver on the field, right? He's five nine five ten, but he just plays so much bigger than that. He's physical um, at the point of attack. He's physical with the ball in his hands after the catch, right? And he may look like he's five nine five ten. He may be five nine five ten, right? But I promise you, it's going to be a lot harder to bring him down than it looks. So he's physical. Can make all the catches. Can make you know tough contested catches. We saw that in the Iron Bowl to win the game. Um, He's you know he's tough with the ball in his hands. You know after the catch and. Like I said, he just plays so much bigger than he is. He really, you know, to me, looks like a number one wide receiver. And I think, uh, you know, the possibilities for him in this offense in this year under a mature Ewers are endless. Speaking of DeAndre Moore, the feeling is he could be really productive this year. However, we all know how Steve Sarkeesian feels about rotating his receivers. Moore is one of numerous players putting in extra work por- per inside Texas sources. That's really good to hear about, you know, DeAndre Moore. I think DeAndre Moore is just a really good kid, period, if you – Didn't know he has already owned um, or opened a food truck in the Austin area. He sells turkey burgers. I think his mom makes them. Um, but, you know, just to be that young as a true freshman and open a business in Austin, you know, a food truck, it just shows his acumen, shows what type of kid he is and everything I've ever heard about DeAndre Moore. Um, he's just a special person and a special type of player and I'm really excited to see his development and hopefully see him, you know, contribute on the 40 acres as soon as possible. But we do have three years of data telling us that Steve Sarkeesian <laughs> at most points is going to use three receivers and very rarely he may incorporate a fourth receiver. And when you look at the depth chart right now, you would expect Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond, John T. Cook and, you know, Silas uh, Bolden, even though he's not on campus right now to get the majority of the reps and the opportunities. Right. And then there's going to be tight ends that need the ball. There's running backs that need the ball. And then there's a bunch of young, hungry receivers that are trying to get into the game as well. So um, right now, you know, in terms of priority pass catchers, it would seem that DeAndre Moore is sixth, seventh or eighth on the list. And, you know, Steve Sarkis fooled me once. He's not going to fool me twice. Right. <laughs> like, I just have to believe it to see it. I don't see a scenario in which DeAndre Moore has a huge role this year, but whenever that day comes, I'm excited because I think he brings a lot to the 40 acres. Matthew Golden continues to impress with his work ethic and attitude. And, you know, I think he's a really good kid as well. Um, One thing that stood out to me is that he was the first receiver we bought in in the transfer portal, but then we brought in Isaiah Bond, right? Then we brought in Silas Bolden. Then we brought in Amari Nyblack, right? And, and, you know, it just seems like we're bringing in so much talent. And I'm not sure if – yeah, I think Ryan Wingo committed before that. But even then, like we've brought in three pass catchers who are going to have huge roles on this team since Matthew Golden decided to transfer to the University of Texas. And he was vocal and excited about all three of them, right? And so I think that's somebody that shows that he's embracing the competition and not sitting there saying, well, what you brought me in, what are you bringing these three guys in for? So, you know, he's embracing the competition. I think he knows he has a role on this team this year and I'm very excited to see it. Tay Cook has upped his intensity in the weight room. That's really good. You know, I think he's... Um, one of the more complete receivers we've ever had at the 40 acres. Obviously, that's me projecting, but I think we'll see it on the field soon enough. Um, but that's good that, you know, he's increasing his size, you know, getting bigger and, you know, increasing his ability to do special things on the football field, especially with all the competition uh, competition in the room at this point. Right. Iron sharpens iron. And, you know, it <laughs> looks like, you know, they brought in a lot of players in the transfer portal um, to play wide receiver. And so Jonte Cook understands the urgency of having a strong offseason to make sure he can get on the field this year. When a source was asked for players who have added muscle since they arrived, Parker Livingstone was quickly mentioned. His straight line speed was also mentioned. Per one source, he doesn't move like Adonai Mitchell, but he's at least as fast as him. You're talking about um, somebody in Parker Livingstone that has 6'3 height, um, was a track athlete you know, in high school, and I think he brings a really unique skill set um, to the table in terms of being a bigger receiver that could still run past anybody on the field. Um, and I'm very excited to see in the future you know, if he can get on the field. Obviously, that's going to be tough with the way that we're recruiting the wide receiver position. But if he can get on the field in the near future, I can. I think he can do some really special things on the 40 acres. So that's the wide receiver group. Quick word from our sponsors. We're going to get into the offensive and defensive lines next. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Ibotta. Yes, Ibotta. Grocery bills are so expensive these days, but now they don't have to be. Start getting cash back on your grocery shopping with the free Ibotta app and get cash back every time you shop. Do you love making money but also love spending money? Don't we all? Now you can make money while you spend it every time you shop with Ibotta. Spring, Spring break is around the corner, which means you're going shopping, but don't shop for your big trip and get nothing in return. Make sure you're getting cash back every time you shop. With Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you are purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. So you can buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to. Or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LockedOnCollege when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code LockedOnCollege. That's I B O T T A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LockedOnCollege. Use Ibotta to fight inflation today. All right, so next we are talking about the offensive line. I kind of took my time going through the wide receivers, so I'm going to have to speed this up a little bit. But offensive line, Kelvin Banks has always done things the right way and been a lead-by-example sort of player. He's never been real vocal, though he is becoming more vocal. The main shift here is he's dominating workouts to do an even better job of leading by example and perhaps set himself up to be a top-10 pick in next year's draft. He's charging hard. I think it's a year of urgency for Kelvin Banks on both sides, right? I think he looks at this roster – sees that they have an opportunity to win a championship, right? And so then you're going to maximize your effort on this team to make sure you do everything in your power for this team to reach their maximum potential. Also, as it talked about, he's a potential top 10 pick in next year's draft, right? And each spot that you slip or each spot that you get taken later in the draft costs you money, right? Two spots, the difference between being picked eighth and 12th could be $2 million, right? So it's a huge year of urgency for Kelvin Banks Um, In terms of, you know, trying to win a championship at the University of Texas and trying to put himself in the best position to maximize his earning potential uh, next year in the 2025 NFL draft. And it seems like he's got that memo already. We've seen him for two years as a dominant starter on the offensive line. So no secret there. One of the more special players we've had in recent memory at the 40 Acres. Freshman Brandon Baker continues to impress through his maturity. Some guys you can tell just get it and are going to be good. He's one of them even before you see him on the field. We love these consistent themes. I vividly remember weekly mentions of Byron Murphy and Xavier Worthy. It's all positive with Baker. He comes from a great program in modern day you know played right uh, right tackle I thought you know coming in he would be able to compete right away for that spot at right tackle similar to what Kelvin Banks did but now we have more depth and we don't need to put him in a position like that and rush him into the fire with Hayden Connor and Cam Williams competing for that right tackle spot but I've been banging the table for Brandon Baker since before he signed since before he committed to the University of Texas and I think he's the next great tackle at the University of Texas a la Kelvin Banks. Cameron Williams is in a, excuse me, a huge point of emphasis this offseason is helping DJ Campbell maximize and getting him on the same track as Kelvin. Campbell does have three year player ability, but as we just outlined with Banks, it requires a lot more than raw talent. A source said Campbell is trending in the right direction. Cameron Williams is in a similar boat to Campbell. The ability is there. He just has to be more consistent when it comes to the smaller Less glorious aspects of the game. I think that's just a perfect explanation, right? When you see Cam Williams at time, when you see DJ Campbell at time, they just look unstoppable on the offensive line, right? It looks like nobody can get past them and they're just mauling defenders and just putting people in the dirt, right? But then you also see them at times and there's those mental lapses or those uh hiccups on pass protection plays or just little things, you know, you know, pre-snap penalties where it's like, Damn. You know what I mean? It's still missing something. It's not all the way there yet. And so, you know, I think when you see, you know, players like Cam Williams and DJ Cam, you know that their ceiling is being able to dominate, snap in and snap out at a high level. But I think the thing that's holding them back both right now, you know, potentially, and I wouldn't say holding them back in terms of them not being plus players for us. They're really good players. You know what I mean? But I think the thing that's keeping them from being great. Right. I think the thing that's, you know, stopping them from going from good to great right now is the consistency. And hopefully this offseason can breed that consistency so when they show up on the field throughout this football season, there'll be plus players for the Longhorns week in and week out. We know DJ Campbell's going to start. If Cam Williams wins that job, he needs to at least be able to do what Kristen Jones has done the last few years at the 40 acres, and that was consistently be one of the better tackles in the country week in and week out. Going to the defensive line, um, just piggybacking off recent reports on I- Inside Texas from our sources and from Byron Murphy earlier in the week, Dre Blitzo was super physical, won't let anyone block him, really competitive nature on the field, will take on a 330-pound pulling guard and lay into him. This is huge, right? Losing to Andre Sweat and Byron Murphy, you need some guys to step up, you know, in that interior defensive line, and you know that, uh, you know, Savannah, I mean, not Savannah, I Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins are going to be a huge part of that rotation. But it's time for that 2022 class where you brought in eight defensive linemen um, in that recruiting class. It's time for some of those players to start stepping up and be plus players for you on the field. Right. We saw it with Justice Finkley. We've seen it with Ethan Bird. But you brought in eight defensive linemen. You would hope at least four to five of them could play for you. Right. So hopefully Jare Bledsoe could be that next player from that 2022 class that starts to pop on the field for us. UTSA transfer Trey Moore continues to impress in workouts. Beast, really explosive, probably the most explosive edge. His first 10 yards are incredible. You don't accumulate 22 and a half sacks over two years in college football by accident. I don't care what level it is. That's why Trey Moore was one of the highest-sodded recruits you know, in the portal. I think the number four edge overall in the transfer portal, and that's a position where we haven't had the high-end production. We've had solid production, but not the high-end production. I look for Trey Moore to change that this year at the 40 Acres. Colin Simmons has indeed gained weight. As his mother posted on Twitter, people have said 20 pounds, probably somewhere closer to 15 to 20. Either way, he's a lot bigger than he was just a few months ago when he was at Duncanville winning state championships. He's explosive, but not quite as much as more. He's probably adjusting to the shock of carrying so much more mass. Absolutely. If you add 15 to 20 pounds out of nowhere, you got to learn how to carry it. Um, And also Trey Moore just might be a really good player. But I think Colin Simmons. You know, eventually, whether, you know, it's this year or, you know, next offseason going into next year, whenever it clicks, he's going to be a dominant player at the 40 acres. And I wouldn't be surprised if it clicks this season, just like it did for Anthony Hill last year. So, Derek Mitchell is working on his weight, getting extra cardio and trying to slim down to get more explosive and be able to play in the fourth quarter. There are still no concerns over Mitchell becoming a positive player in 2023. He's more on the sweat timeline than Mur- Murphy, said a source. No surprise when you consider his body type. You know, I was just about to say, as I was reading this, like Tavandre Andre Swift would be um, a good example. Right. Because he's somebody who was able to, you know, overcome or transcend those weight concerns. Right. He was somebody who was able to um, transcend those conditioning issues, those consistency issues, those effort issues and turn into uh, one of the best players in the country and all American in what should be a top three round pick in the NFL draft this season. So, you know, I think Sadir Mitchell has all the talent in the world. He has all the opportunity in the world because that room right now is bare, you know, and they're looking for somebody to step up. And, you know, hopefully he understands the opportunity in front of them. And, you know, he seizes it, right, because he has a great opportunity this year to be on the field for the majority of the snaps. Linebacker Anthony Hill Jr. looks fantastic. We still expect him at Mike Linebacker. I still expect him to win an SEC Defensive Player of the Year Award before he heads to the NFL. Leonga Lafau is focused on adding strength. He has all the movement skills to play. Mike, a little background on LaFowle. Coming from Hawaii, he had a difficult time transitioning to Texas. His relationship with Jeff Choate was huge in that regard. As far as LaFowle goes, there couldn't have been a better replacement for for Choate than Nansen. Obviously, when you're losing uh, Jalen Ford, you need somebody else in that room to step up. I think Leonga is is definitely... Um, in a position to be that player. But it's good that you brought back David Bender and still have Anthony Hill. So you don't have to throw a ton at Leonga LaFael right away. And you know, it's understandable, right? Coming all the way from Hawaii to Texas, he would have a difficult time transitioning. I think the same thing from Cedar Mitchell coming from New Jersey to Texas last year. But you know, after a full year under his belt, a full offseason, now another offseason, I think we'll see, you know, Leonga LaFal really start to be a really good player for us at the University of Texas. And, you know, that starts with being comfortable off the field, right, before you can be comfortable on the field. And I'm hoping just from a human being standpoint that Leon LaFalde can really start to enjoy his time in Austin at the University of Texas this season. Not to say that he hasn't already, but clearly that message, you know, means that there was a slower transition for him than some of the other players. And that's going to happen, too, as you start to, you know, expand your footprint more. Texas always has been able to recruit out of state. But as we start to win more and be more successful, you're going to be able to do that at a higher level, right? So, it's going to be hard sometimes for players to come to the state of Texas, be away from their family for the first time and, you know, be able to just handle that at a high level. David Benda has stepped into a heightened leadership role. The room respects him for a number of reasons. Most notably, he works. Right. Yeah. Work ethic. He's a really good football player. And he's going to have to kind of take over that leadership role that Jalen Ford left. Right. Even though Anthony Hill is our best linebacker, I think going into the season, David Benda is our leader in that room. And that's showing up already. In off-season workouts mo blackwell is also respected for his focus and devotion he provides energy and is a veteran at least in the eyes of many in the room steven from fanatic perspective calls him game speed he just shows up right <laughs> whether it's at practice whether it's on tape he just shows up we'll probably get asked about darion gallette nothing new there He's big and looks good athletically. We expect him to play Sam this year. Um, somebody in Darian Galette, who's you know sneaky talented and can do a lot of different things at that linebacker position, really could provide versatility um, if he's healthy and you know staff determines that he's one of the best players on the football team and needs snaps. Uh, moving on to the secondary, Jalen Gilbo was clearly doing things right because he was one of the first players mentioned. He's made a bunch of strides this offseason. He's working really hard and looking faster than ever in an attempt to connect some dots. One could glean that Jade Barron will get a real look at cornerback, which could increase Gilbo's playing time at start. Right. You know, you have an embarrassment of riches. Right. You have Terrence Brooks. You have Malik Muhammad. You have Jalen Gilbo and you have Jade Barron, who all, you know, deserve you know, a significant amount of playing time at the corner position. Then you brought in three really good corners in this recruiting class. You already had some really good corners on campus and Gavin Holmes and Austin Jordan. So not sure how you're going to, you know, deploy that rotation this year. But Texas has some really good players at corner. And we're talking about a player than like Jalen Gilbo, who's super talented. And we don't even know what his role is. is going to be on the football team this year. So that just speaks to the, the the way that they've recruited and the way that they've stacked talent at these positions on this football team. Andrew Makuba looks really good athletically, very fluid. Everything looks easy to him. He's a grinder who keeps his head down while he continues to assimilate into the program. I've said it a few times on the podcast, what we thought we were getting from Jalen Catalan, we were about to get from Andrew Makuba, one of the more sound, one of the best safeties in the country. That was a position of weakness for us last year. It should be a position of strength for us this year bringing in a three-year starter that is so, so good and can do everything on the field from the front of the defense to the back of the defense and Andrew Makuba. Freshman Kobe Black is learning from Manny Muhammad. That's a good person to latch on to. It's easy to see he wants to get better. He'll be good in man coverage early on. Sources feel strongly he can stay at corner, at least based on the way that he moves. Black's body is in sync at the position. He's not fighting himself in that regard, a source compared him to Ryan Watts, who I think was very underrated at the 40 acres. Kobe Black is a bigger corner, but it sounds like, you know, based on what we saw on tape in high school at Connolly, he has the movement skills, right? And he has the footwork to be able to stay at corner and play at a high level at corner, even with that bigger size and maybe lack of high-end top speed that some of the you know, other smaller corners may have, especially playing on the outside. Wardell Mack is a really hard worker. He's slight at the, this point, but people are anxious to see him in pads. He puts in extra work. You know, probably one of those players who physically will look different next year and probably in a year, you know, of development will be ready to put in work um, on the field for sure. Piggybacking on recent Warren Robertson comments from inside Texas and Ryan Watts, he's one of the most athletic guys on the team. His athletic upside is legit. Explosive in the weight room. He's quick. He's fast. He's probably the best athlete on the team in the secondary. I think, you know, at safety, you'll see a lot of uh, Michael Taft, Derek Williams, and Andrew Makuba. But we did rotate a lot in the secondary at corner and at safety last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if at the safety position, they try to find ways to get Jelani McDonald and Warren Robertson included in that rotation as well. So I told you a ton of updates, uh, wealth of updates from inside Texas. Shout out to them. Shout out to everything they do. Um, on some of our favorite players less than a month away from you know, spring ball getting ready as they continue to build that foundation of trying to be a championship team throughout this offseason going into the SEC in 2024. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the National Basketball Association. All right, my five slash six keys to victory for the Texas basketball team um, as they face Kansas on the road tomorrow would be a huge win for this Texas basketball team. It's a huge game nonetheless. Right now, Joe Lenardi, in terms of bracketology, has Texas in as the eighth seed. I could see if they win in this game, moving them up to about the seventh or the sixth seed, and if they lose, possibly moving them down to the ninth seed, right? So it's a huge game in terms of uh, NCAA tournament implications, and you know, Texas is a team on the bubble trying to make sure that they get in to the tournament and can make a run uh, when they get there. And I think, you know, as I said on yesterday's show, or I guess Wednesday's show, um, it's been an up and down year for this Texas basketball program. And I think in the first year, right, a lot of people um, have lost faith in Ronnie Terry. A lot of people didn't have faith in Ronnie Terry coming into the season, but I think some people have lost faith in in Ronnie Terry and maybe the future of this program. You know, tomorrow is one game regardless of the results of it, but I do think a win against Kansas tomorrow on the road uh, would restore a lot of faith. Right. In terms of Texas fans in this basketball program right now, just because of everything that's happened. Um, I think people are a little bit down on the program. I think a win tomorrow could go a long way. Once again, uh, restoring faith, hope and, you know, uh, excitement in the fan base about this basketball team coming down the stretch run of the season. So the first key, rim protection. Rim protection is going to be the key, right? K.J. Adams and Hunter Dickinson live at the rim. Obviously, Hunter Dickinson, one of the best players in college basketball, period, um, averaging almost close to 20 points a game. K.J. Adams, one of the most athletic bigs in the country. He lives at the rim. He's a lob threat, you know, a putback threat, a dump threat. A layup threat. You know, he, he just makes a lot of plays at the rim. And their guards do a fantastic job of penetrating, whether that's getting to the rim to make plays, uh, getting to the rim to score, or getting to the rim to pass out to the three point line um, and changing the numbers on your defense to get open shots. So you have to be able to protect at the rim. Dylan DeSue, Caden Shedrick, whoever, right? You cannot let Kansas just get easy back. Oh my gosh, easy buckets at the rim the entire game, right? Because they will beat you and run you out of the gym, right? You have to be able to protect the rim to beat Kansas, and that's going to be tough, right? Because we've seen Dylan DeSue not the best in terms of rim protection, and how many minutes do you give Caden Shedrick, right? Is he just coming in to spell Dylan DeSue? Or are you going to have uh Dylan DeSue and Caden Shedrick lineups on the court at the same time? You know, we have to see that tomorrow with uh, Ronnie Terry, but yes, whoever's on the court playing the big, they're going to have to do a good job of protecting the rim and stay out of foul trouble. You cannot beat Kansas without Dylan DeSue being on the court, being one of the best scorers in the country. And you cannot beat Kansas without Caden Shedrick coming in to provide good defense and rebounding at that center spot. So if you have to play extended minutes in this game without Dylan DeSue or Caden Shedrick because of foul trouble, that's a huge advantage to Kansas. Rebounds and turnovers is my second key. Whenever Texas loses, whenever Texas comes close to losing, it's usually because they're getting out-rebounded and they're turning the ball over way more than they should. To beat Kansas tomorrow – You have to either out-rebound them or be competitive with them on the boards, and you certainly can't turn the ball over more than Kansas can on the road in that environment. You have to clean up those two things, make sure you rebound at a high level, take care of the basketball if you want a chance to update, oh, my gosh, upset Kansas on the road tomorrow. You have to shoot over your heads from the three-point line, right? This is not a great shooting team, and that's really showed up in February. In four games this month against Iowa State, Kansas State, Houston, and TCU, Texas has only made 18 threes in those four games. So you're averaging, I guess, what, four and a half threes, right, in those four games. That's essentially one three-point three pointer made every 10 minutes on the court, right? That's atrocious. But against West Virginia, right, Texas made 15 threes alone. So they played five games this month, and four of them, only 18 threes combined against West Virginia, 15 threes just in that one game. To beat Kansas, you're going to need closer to a West Virginia performance from the three-point line Rather than the games where you've only averaged four and a half threes per game, that's not going to be enough to beat Kansas. I think you're going to need eight plus threes in this game to beat Kansas tomorrow. Uh, Max Asemis is really struggled in the month of February. He's 20 for 62 from the field in the month of fe- February, so that's I believe what less than 30 percent and seven for 32. From three-point line that's definitely less than 30 percent averaging just over 13 points per game so this has been his worst month thus far of the season um, definitely at the 40 acres since he's been here definitely gonna have to step that up you know a lot of that has to do with this him being in big 12 play for the first time then playing extremely physical and this is not the way they play basketball and whatever conference oral roberts is in so it's been an adjustment but we need max ace miss to play like a top 20 player in college basketball For Texas to win games. He has not been that in February, but he has a chance to make up for it with a huge performance tomorrow against Kansas. And Kendall Weaver, Dylan Mitchell, and Tyrese Hunter have to impact this game, whether it's rebounding, whether it's defense, whether it's passing the basketball and setting people up, whether it's making threes, shooting. They have to make impact plays in this game. I can't sit here and say what they need to do, but when I recap this game on Monday, I have to be able to come on and say, Kendall Weaver, Dylan Mitchell, and Tyrese Hunter did blank, and they were the big, you know, they were reasons or one of the biggest reasons why Texas won this game. So Kendall Weaver, Dylan Mitchell, and Tyrese Hunter can't just stand around and be fans of Max Acemus and Dylan DeSue. They have to be key cogs in a winning effort tomorrow against Kansas. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.